Welcome to Ministry in Motion, where we explore best practices for your ministry in the 21st century. I'm Anthony Kent. And I'm Derek Morris. Our topic today is very relevant wherever you live on planet Earth. Exactly, Derek. Today we're looking at multicultural ministry in the local church. You know, once upon a time, churches were frequently just made up of one culture. But now, with so many people moving from continent to continent, there's a mixture of cultures all in one single congregation. That's so true. I just uh, pastored in Orlando before joining the team, and we had a multitude of nations represented. And even uh, right in a local community, there are different people groups. Uh, you've got some real challenges in doing ministry in a multicultural setting. Challenges and blessings as well. An opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. Looking forward to the topic today. And to help us explore it is Dr. Cheryl Doss. She's a real specialist in this. And when we come back after the break, we'll have more of Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion, where our special guest is Dr. Cheryl Doss. Cheryl, welcome. Thank you. You're a specialist in more ways than one, but a specialist in multicultural ministry and cross-cultural ministry. Tell, me, tell us a little about your experience. Well, I um, started off life as a preacher's kid that then my parents were called to the mission field. And so I was a missionary kid, so I'm a PK and an MK. I married another missionary kid. We spent 16 years as missionaries in the country of Malawi, where our Ma children were born and grew up. Malawi is in, is in so southeastern Africa. Right. And um, then our children now, both our daughter and son, are missionaries in Africa too, one in Madagascar and one in Kenya. So we are missionary kids of several generations. Right. And now I... Uh, teach mission institutes. I'm the director of the Institute of World Mission for the General Conference and we do missionary training. Right, okay. Mm -hmm. And formally as well as all of that personal mm -hmm. experience and professional experience, you have a PhD in this type of thing as well? Yes, I was very fortunate coming back from Africa to be able to take a program that allowed me to take classes both in education and in intercultural studies or mission studies. And so for training of missionaries, I, it's a good blend education and mission. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Mm -hmm. Now, the, the church today is characterized by a number of churches that have multi-cultures all in the, the yes. single congregation. Mm -hmm. And we want to explore that this morning with you. And so, with, with these churches with so many cultures, mm -hmm. this is not a new thing. We read about it in the New Testament, Absolutely, don't we? Yes. What, what do you take from the New Testament that we see happening today? Well, right from the very beginning in Acts chapter 2, we hear of Peter preaching that very first sermon on the day of Pentecost to people from many different cultures. They came from all over. They spoke different languages. And, uh, and the church, the Christian church, was birthed as a multicultural church. Unlike many other world religions like Judaism or Islam, that were birthed out of a certain ethnic group, certain language group. Right. Uh, Christianity has, from its very beginning, been multicultural, intercultural, cross-cultural, uh, always reaching out beyond 
one ethnic group to many ethnic groups. And you know, to, to me that seems to be an enriching experience. Oh, absolutely. Um, what, what's been your experience? How, how have you found yourself enriched by what, not only cross-cultural but multicultural ministry? Well, I think it, the, one of the great blessings of the Adventist Church is that we, do ha we are a world church. Yeah. And as a world church, um, we bless each other from our different perspectives because every culture sees different things when they uh, understand God and read the Bible. They, they see different things. They are able to give different things. It's kind of like the body that, uh, that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians where the church is the body of Christ with many different parts and many different functions. If we were all the same, like Paul says, if everybody was an eye, where would the hearing be? You know, exactly. So we need exactly. all those different parts to become the whole, to represent all of what Christ's body is. And uh, this is even true, uh, the Bible tells us, will be until the kingdom. You know, you know the old joke about we won't live in heaven just in little walled compounds yes, as yes. different peoples or different uh, denominations. I think that's because in heaven we will represent all the kingdoms of the earth. And so being part of that body today is a greatly enriching pro uh, prospect for me and personally enriching in that I think you learn much by interacting with people of different cultures. Exactly. So it's enriching and it's, it's more than just food, isn't it? Yeah. And, and different flavours and that oh, type yes. of thing. Um, it's, it's the experience of meeting new people, mm. understanding new people and their perspective of God and their reading of the Bible mm -hmm. as well yes. is, is thoroughly enriching. Yes. Can, can you share an example where something's been particularly profound and a new understanding mm. that's come from God's Word for you as a result of your multicultural experience? Well, I think of the story of Joseph, for example. Um, you know, when, when I was growing up and read Uncle Arthur's Bible stories, you know, yes. the story of Joseph, the lesson that always came out of it to me was how um, Joseph was faithful to God. You know, he was faithful despite all the hardships of his life. He was faithful despite the temptations and the downturns. He was always faithful to God. And that is certainly one important uh, lesson one exactly. learns from Joseph's story. Yes. But when I lived in Africa, I learned of another view of Joseph's stories. In, Joseph was always caring for his family. He cared for his family. He took care of them. When his brothers came to them, him, he was kind to them. He showed, gave them food and clothing. He cared for them. He brought his family into Egypt. God sent him, according to the story, to Egypt in order to preserve his family. The family was, <laughs> you know, was central in that region. Yes, yeah. uh, Joseph says at the end, you intended it for harm. God intended it for good. It preserved the Israelite nation. Right, yeah. And, and so it, from the African reading, which is much more of a relational one, it is Joseph's care for his family that comes out so strongly. What it, a beautiful lesson. It is, and it is <laughs> enriching, isn't yes, it? Yeah, it is. Now, while our experience with God, our experience with biblical reading can be enriched by it, there are some challenges that, that come yes. with <laughs> the multicultural context. There are. What are some of those challenges? Well... I think it comes down to very personal ones as well as corporate ones. 
um, personally, we're all raised within a culture in which we're taught how to do things right. Mm -hmm. When your mother teaches you how to eat, she doesn't give you a choice of whether you want to eat with your fingers or a fork or chopsticks or whatever. She teaches you the right way to eat. And, and there is only And there's one, only one right way. Exactly. There's one right way to eat. And that's true when we go to church. There's a right, right way of behaving in church yeah. or of, of, of doing worship. There's mm -hmm. a right way of doing it. You know, you kneel down and you fold your hands and you close your eyes, you know, when you pray. That's the right way to do it. And we're taught that in so many areas of life virtually every area of life. This is what culture is. It yeah. teaches us how to behave. Yeah. And then when we meet people who do it differently, our natural tendency is to think that they're doing it wrong mm. because they're not doing it the right way that we, were, we learned. Yes, yeah. You know, I think it would be very helpful if we could explore some ways of looking mm. multiculturally, and that would help us I'm sure, in a number of our churches, mm. and explore ways of how we can understand different cultures and different people. Okay. And I'd like to explore that with you straight after this break. Okay. So stay with us. We'll be right back with more of Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion, where we're exploring a local church with a multicultural flavour. Our specialist is Dr. Cheryl Doss. Welcome again, Cheryl. Thank you. Cheryl, in a church, and I can remember having an experience mm. myself of pastoring a church that had less than 100 people in the congregation, mm. yet there were 27 different nationalities represented. Wow. And that's not unique. There's many churches mm. Mm -hmm. like that. Now, while there was a great harmony and sweetness mm. in the church, there are other congregations that aren't so fortunate mm -hmm. and there can be some conflict. Mm -hmm. we'd, we'd like to explore this a little with you, how we can manage this and how we can work through this. So a church has multiple yeah. ethnic groups, yeah. multiple first language people. Mm. How does a pastor pastor that particular oh. church? Well, it's probably always going to be a challenge because th these differences are deeper than just what do you bring to potluck. Yeah. You know, they go yeah. deeper into how you think, what your values are, how you see the world. Mm. And, and these, uh, the deeper they are, the more we hold tightly to them because they're part of our identity. Okay. In fact, you know, I think one of the first and most important things is that we recognize that there are differences and we don't try to deny them. Mm -hmm. or hide them or gloss over them. There are differences and we should celebrate those differences as part of the diversity we've been talking about that is so valuable in God's people. And that enriching experience. That's, e that's enriching, yes. Yeah. So values, thinking mm -hmm. is often tied together with language yes. and the, the first language that a person learns and speaks. Right. Let's explore that a little more. <sighs> Most languages have embedded within them a certain way that's considered correct reading, writing, and speaking. And these, and these are taught to children. You know, languages, um, of course, are spoken by many different peoples, but most languages come from a certain cultural thinking or embedded within the languages, a certain cultural thinking of what's correct, what's logical, what's the right way of speaking and, and writing. 
And in a sense, it's, it's impressed into children with the schooling process, isn't That's it? That's right. It's, yeah. taught, it's taught that this is the right way to write. This is the right, right way to speak. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Now, have you got an example for us of yeah. a particular language and that style of thinking that's associated with it? Yes. You know, I, I went looking f uh, f for a way of kind of exploring how language shapes the way we uh, communicate. Right. And there's many different ways of explaining that, but one very simple way is to talk about the kind of logic that a language has embedded within it. Now, obviously, this is oversimplification because people everywhere can think in many, every different way. Absolutely. And just as they can learn to speak. Yeah. Virtually any language, you know. So, but, but still, every language kind of describes one particular way of thinking and speaking as correct. For example, in English, English might be considered a linear logic in that if you're going to write or speak correctly, you will write in a very direct line of argument. Right. Every school child is taught how to, to um, outline A, B, C, 1, A, B, C, 2, A, B, C, 3, A, B, C. You, you know, and then there's argument is to go in a direct line down that okay. outline. Mm -hmm. We would say in English, that's a logical, linear... That's logical. Yeah. Yes. In fact, you know, the old homiletical saw about a uh, good sermon is three points in a poem. Exactly. You know, With an introduction. Introduction, a conclusion, and the argument should be logically described mm -hmm. as, you, mm -hmm. as you go down uh, through the sermon and illustrated nicely. And if you wander around, that's not good linear logic. So are you going to tell us that not all other languages think this way and have their, their logic embedded in it in, in this particular way? Uh, absolutely. Most languages will have a different kind of logic, if we can call it that, that is considered appropriate for that language. Now, that doesn't mean people in other languages won't use linear logic. They can. Mm -hmm. But that is probably not what is taught as correct and the best use in that particular language group. Okay. Okay. So let's look at another language and see if we can describe another one. All right. So you've been charting be, it there for us. Yes. Okay. Let's look at German. Okay. You know, German, we, German might be called a, a, a dialectical language, in, and it, it's a Hegelian dialectic in that the argument should overcome the opposite argument. So when two things are argued against each other, one should overcome the other or should, should uh, deny it. So let's, let's look at this. A German who's having a good discussion will begin with a thesis. I think this should happen. Okay. And then the next person will come in with the antithesis. No, it should be that. So making a point and then a, an opposite. An opposite point. And then okay. these are argued against each other. Right to try to overcome the arguments of the other, with the goal, of course, ultimately being a synthesis. Okay. Now, one of my friends who worked in Germany said she was part of a team that had some Americans and some Germans and some people of other nationalities on it. And when she first got there as the leader and the Germans would begin discussing something, it got kind of feeling hot, you know, like maybe they were angry with oh, each really? other. And she began very uncomfortable. And so as the leader, she would say, oh, let's just stop talking about this right now and we'll come back to it later, hoping that people would kind of cool off, you know, she, to her way of thinking. And pretty soon the Germans came to her and said, what's wrong with you? You never let us get to the end. Ah, so... So they needed that. 
this was just a conversation. This was just a conversation. Yeah. And she finally said she learned that this was the way things are discussed, and eventually she came to enjoy that and, and use that method of, of discussion herself. So people with another thinking process could see it as combative. Yes. And, and that's not essentially the point. It's just a, a way of processing material, processing information. Absolutely. Without being combative. Yep. Yeah. Have you got another example for us? Yes. A, th a third one here that we might call French might be called digressionary in that it is embedded in a wide variety of examples. So if you go to a university lecture in France, right. the professor will start talking about a topic and then he will go into another erudite topic that he discusses right. and come back into another erudite topic and come to the end. And if you want an A in the class, you read the textbook. That's what textbooks are for. I see. His goal is to embed this topic in the widest possible discussion of things. And, you know, as I remember the first time I heard a French sermon, mm -hmm. translated, of course, at the time, but to me, but I couldn't follow it. It was like he was over here for a while, and then he was over here for a while, and where was the point? Where was the linear logic? You know, I didn't understand it. I w once said this in a, in a class, and there was a woman in the class who, um, who had a PhD from the Sorbonne great French university right. and she said yes and when we hear an English sermon there is no lightness in it. Ah because it's just a direct line. Just a direct linear logic. Rather than a pleasurable journey. Yes exactly. Yeah. So a different way that is considered appropriate right. for discussion and for, uh, for writing too. Okay so we've looked at the the English, the German and the mm -hmm. French there's some more that we'll look at, and we'll have that right after this break. Okay. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion, and joining us for this segment is our co-host, Derek Morris. Welcome, Derek. Happy to be here. Yeah. Now, Cheryl, before the break, mm. we were looking at three examples yeah of languages and the, the thinking processes that are embedded in those languages. Yeah. Yeah. Now for a pastor that's pastoring a church with a dozen different nationalities mm. within that church and perhaps they're all represented in the local church board, how does that translate? How, <laughs> how does the pastor manage that? With some difficulty, I, sh I should think, to begin mm -hmm. with. But I think it's very important that, it, that he understands that people come at such discussions from very different ways of thinking and background. And these need to be articulated. It needs to be accepted that, that people are differently. One important thing would be to allow for more time for discussion because people will discuss in different ways. We didn't talk about languages that are common in our church like Spanish and Portuguese where usually it is a matter of a group painting a picture together before everybody can agree or see something. A consensus is often a very important part of many cultures. African cultures and Asian cultures require consensus of the group. This is going to take more time, especially because people will discuss in different ways. They will not discuss in the shorthand of linear logic that many Americans would expect, you know, let's cut to the chase, get to the point. It's going to require many different ways of discussion. So rather than just taking a vote yeah. and letting a, a six to four majority 
win, right. um, you're suggesting there needs to be more time involved in the right. process. Right, and a seeking for consensus, for understanding, for the group processing to occur. So time is important. Uh, understanding that people aren't just trying to be obstructive, aren't just trying to be argumentative. Uh, if they tend to take, you know, sometimes you, you'll put, put a motion on the floor and you know that person is always going to take the opposite side. Maybe they're not just, you know, mean, nasty person. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's just the way they think. They have to look at the other side before they can come to understand your side. Mm -hmm. What about the implications for worship? You talked about yeah. the way people think, but mm -hmm. the way people express their devotion to God. How, how does that uh, vary with different cultural Oh, backgrounds. It, it very greatly, varies greatly. I remember one church in a European city, they had a large contingent of African, from a certain African country and another group from a certain South American country, both very um, goal or any, wanted the goal of community, very strongly focused on community. So for the South American group, the way they showed community was to come together and kiss on the cheek and put your arm around each other, you know, sit in church arm in arm and that sort of thing. Well, the people from the African community were horrified by, by that. Uh, you know, that's, community meant coming to church early in the morning and staying all day. You know, so I think raising awareness, talking about these differences. What do you mean by community? What spells community to you and being accepting of the other cultures' differences in that? Mm. You know, understanding. I think we have to celebrate those differences instead of trying to deny them. Right. 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 What about education? You talked about yeah. that. Is there a good article, maybe something you've written that someone watching the program would say, I'd like to learn a little more about uh, multicultural ministry in the local church? Well, the one on, that I started, I gave you just a little glimpse of there at the previous segment on the different language groups. Uh, an article was published in the Journal of Adventist Mission Studies on logic systems and mission. And I, and I would be happy to... Put that, that on that our website. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. if you'd like, a, if our viewers would like a copy of that, they'll find mm. it at ministryinmotion.tv mm. and uh, there'll be yeah. a copy there that they can access. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate yeah. that, Cheryl. Now, in terms of f fellowshipping mm. together, living day by day, we've looked at meetings where issues are discussed. Yes. We looked at worship. Mm -hmm. but, but life as people together, mm. how does... How does this thinking style impact that? Well, I, I think we have to realize that these things are embedded very deeply. Mm. If it comes out of language, it's a very deep thing. So even when we learn to speak in another language, we will probably continue to use the same kind of thinking styles that we were taught in our mother tongue. And, and I think we have to also realize that when somebody else speaks my language, they've already moved a long way toward my culture. Mm -hmm. So if they're an immigrant and they come and speak English in my home church, they have already moved a long way. I need to give them room to be different in the way that they express in my language, in the way that they, they will handle interpersonal relationships and communication relationships. On a day-to-day on -day basis, I think we have to be willing to allow our categories to be shaken up of what's right and what's wrong. Mm. It isn't a clear-cut thing many times in, in, in the way we greet, in the, in the kind of gestures that we use, in the, in the way we express ourselves in worship, in the way, even the way we sing music, mm. you know, certain scales. I mean, I sometimes think God must look down on, on earth and wonder, you know, how good is that music? Maybe they really, it is, really isn't quite heavenly music because it's not the way, maybe. I know the Africans, they, yeah. they, 
Yeah. Never, I, Maybe never it should being be... in Kenya, you know, and, yeah. and it's just something that I'm not used to, yeah. and yet to ask them to just be still and not move is like not singing. That's mm. right, and I'm, I'm wondering if in God's music there's a lot more tones than just eight in yes. an octave. You know, so I think we have to be, allow for, for that difference and learn to enjoy it. It's amazing what you can learn to enjoy if you are exposed to something and you come with an open attitude toward it. Spoken like a true person that's <laughs> lived in many different cultures and, and experienced that. Mm -hmm. Because in a sense, it is like a, a cross-cultural ministry to, to reach out that's right. And, and explore and, and experience the richness and the benefits. Mm. I think we have to realize that this, we are actually benefiting ourselves when we, when we move closer to people who are different from us. It's so easy to be separate mm. from them. But if we, if we come close in fellowship and friendship, we are expanding our own understanding of the world as it is and preparing ourselves better for the heavenly kingdom which will certainly be multicultural. Exactly. Yeah. Now, Cheryl, you've, you've condensed into just a few minutes mm. here a, a lecture and a whole paper, a lecture that goes for an hour. Yeah. Is, is there something critical that you'd like to say as we, as we wrap up? I would like to, to ask people to really work towards keeping the church uh, multicultural. Instead of, we might have to separate out um, for purposes of ministry or mission into certain ethnic groups to reach certain ethnic groups. Mm -hmm. But the goal here is that together we represent the body of Christ on earth. And so keeping together as multicultural church, I think is a goal that should be one that we strive for in all our congregations. And that's the New Testament model, isn't it? It's a beautiful picture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Cheryl, thank you so much. Mm -hmm. We really appreciate the insights mm -hmm. that you've offered. Thank you. And Derek yes. as well. Yeah. Thank you. And just a reminder, if you'd like a copy of the, the academic paper that Cheryl spoke about, it's available at ministryinmotion.tv. As well as that paper, there's a vast array of other resources. And you can also watch any Ministry in Motion program that we've screened previously. We want you to know that we're thinking of you and praying for you and your ministries. And we're asking God to richly bless your ministries. And with that, God bless you and all the best.